commit to build a community, that is the quickest way to grow. It does grow. take it's time, but if you're not feeling that love, like maybe the blogging thing is... We need to get traffic. We need to get a lot of traffic. up and you're not getting as many downloads as, as you want. Or selling your readers you you're going to make a fraction of the amount of money that you make. Reach an audience of a month. For me, like it worked because I just kind of outlast Take the risk of putting yourself out there and be unique and be unique yourself. This is not a blog. This is a business. I'm Jessica Ojek. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper. I'm Tanya from Our Next Life. Nick True. I'm Jessica Moran. I'm Monica Louise. I'm J.D. Rock. And you're listening you to... You are listening And you're listening to the Do You Even Blog podcast. Hello. What's going on, everybody? Pete McPherson here from Do You Even Blog. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to yet another episode. Hopefully it's another. If you're listening for the first time, congratulations. You have found the holy grail of blogging podcast. Probably not. But alas, thank you for listening nonetheless. So... Great episode for you today. My buddy Grant Baldwin, speaker extraordinaire, uh, speaker teacher extraordinaire. This is what he does for a living full time now at thespeakerlab.com, the Speaker Lab podcast, booked and paid to speak, be on the stage. He has a bunch of great products up now, specifically geared towards creatives and public speakers. So, why did I have him on the podcast? For one thing, why? This is about blogging. Why did I have Grant on here? He's not a blogger, so to speak. Uh, I had him on here because a bunch of bloggers, former guests of this own podcast, myself, some people in Blogger U, they want to do more speaking engagements. It's a great way to, well, also just build brands and potentially get paid, but it's just also a great way to communicate your message to people, to teach people, to reach people, to engage people, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people interested in speaking, and so I wanted to have Grant on. He's the dude to have if you want to talk about speaking, specifically in our community of bloggers, creatives, podcasters, YouTubers, et cetera. He's the guy. He's the go-to. I wanted to have him on to share some tips. So we'll talk a little bit about prep. We talk more about delivery. Grant shares some great stories as well from his early speaking days, uh, even some good ways to connect with speakers to better learn from them. I'm not going to say like learn from them, like, oh, please be my mentor, uh, but just to connect with, get experience with, etc. We talk about that as well. Uh, by the way, if you just have no interest in public speaking, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you skip this episode. Although I do think there are some great takeaways, especially when we start talking about inevitable things happening, expecting the worst. That could be why you're speaking on stage. It could be when you're blogging and you hit a Google algorithm update, etc. Uh, applicable to everybody, by the way. But I digress. Neither here nor there. Uh, you can find more at doyouevenblog.com slash podcast slash speaker. I know it's really a random URL, but Grant was already taken from Grant Sabatier. So doyouevenblog.com slash podcast slash speaker you can find the full blog post. I wish I show notes, but it's much more than show notes. You can find the full blog post with takeaways from this episode with Grant Baldwin. Doingblog.com slash podcast slash speaker. Got it? Good. All right. Without further ado, I hope you are all enjoying FinCon this week, and please enjoy this episode with the Grant Baldwin. Grant, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, letting me hang out with you, Pete. It is absolutely no problem. So... Let's start with this. Something, one of the first things I thought was cool about your about page is the fact that you used to be a youth pastor. Obviously, you are known now, at least in the blogging community, specifically in finance, because that's kind of where I came from. You're known as like the speaker guy. Like, yes, go sure. to Grant if you want help getting speaking gigs, uh, better preparing your talks, etc. So we'll talk about that. Did you learn anything that was relevant to speaking from your youth pastor days? That's my first question. 
Yeah. So, um, so to give like some background context there, I, um, uh, in high school, I was really involved in my local church youth group and, and my youth pastor really had a big impact on my life. And still to this day, I would say like, you know, top handful of people who's really helped shape who I am. Hmm. Um, and so that was definitely an, an impactful and intriguing. And from the standpoint of like, I, I want to do that. Like, that just seems like a really cool gig. If, if I can do for others, what he has done for me, like that just seems like an amazing opportunity. So that's kind of the path I was on for a little while. I went to, uh, went to Bible college, was a youth pastor for a little while. Um, and one of the opportunities that being a youth pastor gave me was it gave me a lot of opportunities to speak. And so speaking in, in youth group setting on, you know, uh, on Wednesday nights or on Sunday mornings <laughs> at a Sunday school type thing. Um, and from time to time I'd get to speak in, in big church on the weekends. Uh, and as well as things that like, I always knew I enjoyed speaking, but that just gave me a lot of opportunities to speak, uh, to help me kind of figure out like, okay, mm. is there something actually here? You know, and, and that was definitely something where, um, I think with any, with any type of like, uh, you know, uh, skill or hobby or whatever you want to call it, there's things where you're just like, okay, I realize like I enjoy doing this. I'm, I think there's like, I'm not amazing at it, but I feel like I'm, I'm good enough that there's something there that was some work that I, I could do this. Uh, and so that's kind of what speaking became for me as a youth pastor. Mm. It was just, it gave me a lot of at bats and a lot of opportunities there. Uh, and I, you know, I got good feedback from people and, and got good responses. I enjoyed it a lot. So that was really something early on that helped me to realize I, I really like speaking. I want to do more of this. I wonder what other forms this could take. Mm. Was there any one particular Wednesday night session or Sunday session or, uh, retreat or anything like that that stands out in your mind as like, oh, yes, I want to do this. Like you've been thinking about it. Maybe you've been getting your at-bats, so to speak. But do any stand out as like really shaping your future speaking career, so to speak? Yeah, there's actually the two that kind of come to mind. Um, one was the – so I just got hired at this church, and um, the youth group was probably, I don't know, maybe 50 people, 50 kids or so. Um, wasn't small, wasn't huge. And, and so the very first night I spoke, um, I just worked my butt off on, a, on just preparing for it and getting ready for it and all that stuff. And uh, so I, I, I go speak, and, and it just goes really uh, from students, from some of the leaders, um, there were uh, the the senior pastor uh, was like, "You're you're really good," you know. Um, and so that was that was definitely a big confidence booster. And then the first time that they had me speak at a weekend service, uh, like in in big church, um, I'm like, "All right, I'm you know I'm the I'm the youth guy. I'm doing a lot of speaking to youth at the time." And so, um, but wondering like this, you know. How, how, how does this guy translate into uh, speaking to adults on a Sunday morning? And so, um, cause at the time I was also, let's see, I was probably 24, 25, maybe 23, somewhere in there. Uh, and so then to go speak on the weekend and same thing, like it just went really, really well. And so to get good feedback from that was just a big boost of confidence. Like, all right, I think mm. again, I think there's something there and I don't know entirely, you know, what, what to do with it or, uh, what that means, but just feeling like there is something there that, um, you know, maybe I, I, I could do this speaking thing in other ways. Okay. Here's, we're going to jump around just a little bit. This just popped in for anybody out here listening or anybody in the FinCon community or I don't know, just creatives online, podcasters, bloggers, et cetera. Is there anything they can do now, like a low barrier to entry to figure out if they actually indu indeed excuse me, want to speak? Like, oh, I think I might be good at that. Oh, I think I want to try that. Where can they get plugged in like on a small scale to figure that sort of stuff out? 
Yeah, I mean, any I would say like any opportunity that you can to speak, um, the better, because uh, it just gives you practice. It gives you at bats, and so that could be, you know, it could be at something like a FinCon or some other type of conference. And then you know, FinCon's become a, a very big conference, so it, it may just be some type of local meetup that uh, you want to host or that you're attending or some little local conference. Um, it could be something at uh, maybe you have some type of job and there's an opportunity to present at some type of meeting or mm. you know boardroom or something like that. You could do that, or maybe it's a chance for you to go speak at um you know your your son or daughter's school or something like that i mean it could be any number of things but i think the more opportunities you have to speak the more comfortable you start to feel and the more you start to to figure out like is there something there you know so the the analogy i always like to use is like if you want to you know if you want to learn how to become a better writer one of the best things you can do is write and if you want to learn how to become a better speaker one of the best Mm -hmm. things you can do is, is speak and so any opportunity that you can helps you to hone that skill and to get better at that craft and, and just helps you to become better uh, long term. So uh, if you want to if you want to write, write. If you want to play a sport, you have to practice it. If you want to learn how to play piano, you have to practice it. And mm-hmm. if you want to learn how to speak, then you, you have to speak. And so <laughs> standing in front of a mirror, just kind of talking to yourself or talking to your dog or uh, your four cats like that, that doesn't necessarily count. Like that's it's just a different environment. So the more opportunities you can you can get in front of a live audience. And again, it doesn't need need to be necessarily like, you know, each time it's in front of a, a thousand person keynote type event, but it could just be again, speaking to you know, four or five people at some little local thing. Again, it just, it helps to give you that confidence and work mm. on that, that muscle and that skill. It's, <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned a dog. Uh, I, I remember Tim Ferriss's story the first time he ever gave a talk at South by South by Southwest in Texas. Uh-huh. He was like super nervous. It was his first like bigger speech in front of like one of these huge events. And the only audience he could get to like practice in front of this, uh, he, oh, he found out at the last minute. That's a key part of the story. He found out last minute. He's like, oh gosh, I'm going to be doing this now. He was over at his buddy's house and the only person or the only animal he could practice in front of was like a little chihuahua. And yeah. so the bet, this is kind of irrelevant. The bet he made with himself is if I can hold this chihuahua's attention, like if I can literally keep this dog from like leaving the room when I start talking or just getting bored and like chewing on a bone, I will be engaging people. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, by the way. <laughs> just a great story. Uh, Hypothetically. Yeah. Okay. So getting at bats, I like that. Let's go back to just your transition, I guess. So you're getting yeah. to speak at Big Church. How do you transition out of that? Like what – did you get some gig and you're like, oh, yes, this is what I want to do now? Did you specifically go looking to get booked and paid to speak, so to speak? How did you transition that away from that? Yeah, so um, so I'd been at that church for about a year and a half or so. Parts of it I liked, parts of it I didn't like. I really enjoyed speaking. It was a lot of fun. Um, and there was a couple things that happened that that – uh, help kind of shape and change things. So one was that my wife was pregnant with our first child and there is nothing like bringing a child into the world that just helps you like question everything about life. <laughs> uh, and so I was it really like, uh, at the time I just, I, 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 I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. And so it just kind of sent me on the search of like, all right, if this isn't what I want to do, um, then what is it that I want to do? And so that was a, definitely a big thing of just starting to ask some of those questions. Um, mm-hmm. the other thing too, is that the, the church I was at, like, um, it wasn't the healthiest of environments. The, I, I love some of the people that I work with, the main guy that I worked with. Um, it's kind of a pain in the butt at times and, um, it just wasn't the healthiest work culture. Um, and so it, it just, and I knew of several other, 
friends that were also in other churches who had similar experiences and were in mm-hmm. similar experiences and uh, still to this day have, you know, been in or still in similar experiences. And so I knew like, okay, not all churches are, you know, bad to work at. And I'm still involved in my own local church now. Um, but just thinking like, okay, what, you know, if I wasn't doing this, what would I want to do? And so, um, so I ended up leaving that, that role as the youth pastor. Uh, and then actually for the next several months, um, just kind of trying to figure out, all right, what, what do I want to do? And it kind of felt like in some ways like this, this quarter life crisis of, uh, all right, I went to college for this thing. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people were thinking or expecting me to do this one thing. I got into the thing and it just wasn't what I signed up for. All right, now what? I feel like I'm, I'm back to the drawing board. Uh, and so really, again, that kind of came back to like, all right, of all the things that I've, I've done or the different skills or different things I could do or, or career paths I could go down, I just really like speaking. Speaking is just a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Um, and at that time, I started I started looking for and finding a few other speakers who were doing similar things uh, and speaking at the types of events that I, m- I might be interested in or I could be a good fit for. And so I started just to see like, okay, this is a, like, this is a thing. Like I, I didn't even like for the most part, realize like this is an opportunity or this is a way that you could make a living. Uh, and so it was super helpful to see other speakers who are doing something similar. And so, hmm. um, so basically I just decided like, all right, let's go down this path. And it's not like, um, you know, you, you decide on a Friday to, to quit your job and like, all right, on Monday, I'm going to be a full-time speaker. Like it just doesn't work like that. Like it just, it <laughs> takes time to build that thing up in the same way that if, you know, if you decided, all right, I want to, I, I want to be a full-time blogger. Like that just doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's going to take, you know, oftentimes maybe a year, maybe a couple of years to really build up enough momentum and traction to be able to do that. And so it's kind of the same thing with speaking is that I started taking steps towards becoming a full-time speaker. But in the meantime, it meant that I was, um, I remember I worked at a, a couple different restaurants, a couple different fine dining restaurants and I was just waiting tables and I worked for a security company, uh, where I was, um, uh, doing sales for them, like, uh, residential and commercial security systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I worked for a, a seminar company where I was going to present, like they would book the event and then I would go present their material and, and present the seminar. And I was oftentimes like the youngest person in the room. Um, uh, there was a school assembly organization that I worked with for a little while. And these are awesome jobs, by the way, I just gotta say, these are cool. Like of all of it, like none of it was like a, a, a me, none of it was like a, a, a dream job. It was all just kind of a means to an end of just buying me time, uh, while I was building the other thing. And so it'd be the equivalent of I'm trying to build a speaking business and I'm on working on the side for Uber or something, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like, you're just doing something to pay the bills while you're building that thing. And so that's what all those hodgepodge jobs were for me. And so it took me, took me about a year and a half to go from, all right, I want to do the speaking thing to being able to do it full time and being able to quit all the other things and be all in on speaking. And so, um, yeah, so it's definitely like a, a long transition, um, but it was like incredibly worthwhile and, the you know, the struggle made the, the, the destination even more worth it. Mm. Okay. I got two questions. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say both of them just so I don't forget. Maybe you can come back and remind me one. I want to hear about your first like big gig or maybe, and, or, uh, a gig that you just like bombed at, like you thought like, okay, yeah. no crap. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta quit. This isn't it. Yeah. I'm not going to pay me anymore, etc. Um, we'll come back to that. Question number one is for people coming to the Tribes Conference or FinCon or Social Media Marketing World or et cetera, et cetera, they think they might want to join this. I'm talking specifically to bloggers now. How can they connect with speakers? Like, please, everybody listen to this. Don't go like running up to Grant after FinCon and be like, can you give me your business card so you can mentor me like three times a week? Not that. How can people best connect with 
those speakers to start building relationships, even just emailing them a few questions? What should they do? Yeah, good question. Really good question. So uh, a couple things that come to mind. One is um, you, you mentioned like some specific conferences. In Anytime you can meet someone in person, it always changes the dynamic of the relationship. So I get a lot of, um, uh, like a lot of people, I, mean, I get I get emails from people who have questions and you know they want help and totally understand. I was that same person several years ago, so totally get that. And I still do that at times to other people, you know. Um, but I know that if I can meet someone in person that I'm trying to connect with, it completely changes the dynamic. So anytime you can meet someone in person, if you know, um, yeah, I'll give you a quick example. So someone in the blogging space that's of the that's very well known is is Pat Flynn. Okay, if I had a you know if we had a chance to to connect, I, th- I think we'd probably hit it off and could probably be decent friends. And so, um, one of the things that I did several years ago was just kind of paying attention to what conferences Pat was going to be at. I'm being very strategic about which ones he was going to be at and not like, all right, he's going to be keynoting this event for, you know, 4,000 people. Well, it's going to be a sea of people. There's no way I'm going to connect with him. But if I knew like, all right, he's going to be at this one certain event and it's a smaller event with 500 people or a couple hundred people, then I have a better chance of getting to know him or connecting Hmm. with him or who's other people that I know that are close to him that I could, uh, that might be able to make an introduction. And so long story short, like, um, you know, Pat and I were able to cross paths a couple times and meet up a couple times um, and since become, you know, really good friends and, you know, chat, chat regularly. We, we co-hosted a, a workshop last year at FinCon. Um, and so all of that comes from just, again, primarily meeting someone in person. So I think that's a, a big key. The other thing I would say is, um, when you, when you're, when you're, you're, you're wanting to connect with someone and then you connect with them, uh, and you, let's say you meet them at a conference or an event, the more specific the question is that you can ask them, the better. And, and what mm. I mean by that is if people come to me and say, Grant, how do I become a speaker? Right? <laughs> it's just kind of this big, broad. That was my vague, next question. Fuzzy, Damn it! Yeah, like uh, it's just kind of like <laughs> I, you know, I, I can give you an answer, you know, but it's just it's not going to be a real great answer because it's just a big, broad, vague question, right? Mm-hmm. Versus if someone said, "Hey, Grant, I'm you know, I'm I've just got started speaking. I'm speaking to um, bloggers on how to grow their business through social media. Um, I'm trying to figure out uh, if I should better, um, you know, I'm working on my demo video. I'm trying to figure out if it should include this." This or and or if it should include that, right? This all of a sudden, this very very specific question, I can give a very specific answer to, right? So I think the more specific the question is that you can ask people, the better mm-hmm. answer that they can give you, and it just kind of shows that like you've done your homework and you respect their time. The other thing that I would do after that is let's say that you have, um, let's say you go ask someone for uh, about something, whether it's someone via email or you meet at a conference, and they tell you what to do. Oftentimes, like you may or may not go implement it, but the person that gave the advice, the person that you were trying to connect with, they have no idea what you did with it. So one of the best things you can do is come back to them. Let's say that you took their advice and you come back to them a month later and email them, hey, we met at that conference and I'd ask you that one specific question. You told me to do this. I just want to give you a heads up. I did it and it worked and here's the results. I just wanted to say thanks. That's awesome. That little thing makes such a huge difference because like again for me like I, I i i give out advice to people and i'm going like i don't know did it work i should work i think it might work you know but i don't know and so when people come back um i mean literally like um let me pull this up just i literally just got this email this morning at the time of this recording and so someone had messaged me um and they had said, I followed your suggestions, created a new uh, brand and website. This month, I already did $20,000 speaking, uh, getting about $5,000 each gig. I wouldn't have been able to do this without your pushing guidance, and I just want to say thank you for it. Okay, Boom. now this person 
like I, I again, I don't I don't think I've connected with this person or talked to this person. But that little thing, if this person were to follow that up with, hey, I have a quick question. You better believe I'm going to answer their question. I want to do whatever I can to help them because I just helped them make twenty thousand dollars and they just wrote me to say thank you. Like, that's awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. So getting some type of like specific question that you have and then getting that feedback or that advice and then doing something with it and then reporting back, here's my findings, here's my, my results. Um, that is a, that's a, a big thing that you can do as well. So, um, it's kind of a, a long answer, but I hope there's a couple tactical things no. you can do there. No, 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 that's great. And I also, first of all, that was an amazing example, but I also feel like it doesn't even have to be like $20,000 in a month totally. or something like that. It could be like the smallest thing as long as it's, you know, sincere and you actually asked them a question and did it, et cetera, et cetera. But totally. I love that. No, I, I think know, it's great. I asked study. this person, they gave me some advice. I'm, you know, I'm getting started and I, I took their advice on building an email list and my email list went from zero to 50 and I emailed them to say thanks. Like that's incredibly worthwhile. Like that's totally worth doing. Um, because again, it shows that you are someone that's taking action on it. What, what anyone who's giving any type of advice what we what is what sucks is just like okay I gave I spent the time to give this person advice and I just didn't do anything with it like that's just annoying like I don't want to help that person but if someone comes to me and says hey what do I do in this situation I tell them you know here's my two cents on what you should do and then they go do it and then they come back and tell me what they did and then they, then they ask another question I'm a lot more likely to to tell them here's here's what you should do next because I know that they're going to do something with it and I'm not wasting my time. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. It's validating, <laughs> too, by the totally, way. Totally. Absolutely. Feels good. Yep. All right. Uh, well, let's go back just really quickly. Do you have any great memories of horrible experiences, your first gig that you bombed or anything like that? Well, so one of the interesting things about speaking, and, and speakers don't always talk about this or we don't always, often think about it, is there's times where like things go way wrong that's just not your fault and it's just outside your control. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a couple different factors that go into it. So part of it, anytime like you're evaluating, how did that talk go? Sometimes um, one of the things that you're evaluating is you as a speaker. Maybe I wasn't prepared. Maybe uh, I didn't know the audience that well. Maybe um, I was just kind of on autopilot and I just personally, I just didn't do that great of a job. So that's a factor. Okay. Another factor is going to be the audience. Maybe the, um, let's say for example, uh, you are, you're speaking late at night. You know, I, I, I remember speaking a couple years ago to a conference, um, that had been going all day. I was the keynote, uh, at this final session. It was a four hour general session and I'm the oh last thing, right? <laughs> so the audience is just tired. They're exhausted. They don't want to be there. Right. I don't want to be there. It's just a long session. And now here's our keynote speaker. You know, um, it's just it's very, very. So in that sense, the audience is exhausted. They're tired. Or let's say, for example, you're getting ready to speak and it was the best talk you'd ever give a uh, given. But right before um, uh, right before you got up to talk to this group, it was, you know, the, whoever's introducing you, uh, the, the president or CEO of this company gets up and says, Hey, just wanted you guys to know that, um, we're going to have to be doing, we're gonna have to lay off a hundred of you in the next 60 days. Now here's our speaker. Well, the audience <laughs> is going to be like completely, you may kill it. It may be phenomenal, but the audience isn't with you like their that's heads funny. elsewhere. Right. So that's a factor. The other factor is going to be the environment, meaning that there are things about the environment that are just outside your control. So a couple of examples. So I remember speaking at a school one time several years ago and uh, a dog comes running in the auditorium and zipping around the room, right? Um, I had no idea how it got in. Uh, well, at that point, like you kind of lost the audience, right? So then I got to get them back on my side. I was not my fault. wasn't the audience fault, but here's a situation that happened. Uh, I remember speaking at a, um, an event and it was kind of in this, um, 
uh, metal building and there's a hailstorm and it just felt like the whole building was going to collapse at any moment, right? This thing was totally outside of my control. Uh, speaking at a, a, a conference in New Jersey a few years ago and uh, they were doing some construction outside this hotel and uh, the power to the entire hotel got cut. And so I ended up having to go do my session. There's about 100 people in this session. Everybody turns on the flashlight on their phone and holds it up. And there's no windows. There's no outside light. It's just a bunch of people holding up a flashlight. There's no microphone. It's just me kind of yelling at people holding flashlights at me. Um, and, like, those are all things that, like, it it went okay or it didn't go great. But there were things that I couldn't have done anything about, you know. Right. Uh, and so one of the things that you have to recognize as a speaker is there's times where, like, it doesn't go well, but it's not necessarily your fault. Now, having said that, though, it's not like, wow, it's always someone else's fault or it's always the audience or it's always the environment. Um, you want to do everything you possibly can to ensure that those variables are in your favor, right? Hmm. Um, and so ensure that if the dog runs around the, uh, runs around the auditorium for a minute, one of the things that as a speaker you have to recognize is that you are the um, – uh, you are the thermostat. And so there's a difference between being a thermostat and a thermometer. A thermostat sets the temperature and the room adjusts to that, right? A thermometer measures the temperature and, and is just measuring there, right? So as a speaker, you are the, the thermostat. You set the temperature for the room. So if a dog runs into a room and starts running around in the middle of your session and you are panicked and you are freaked out and you're annoyed and you're whatever, uh, the audience takes their cues from you. Hmm. So they feel that same sense. Versus if you're just like, oh, this is funny. I'm going to make a joke about it. I'm going to laugh about it. It's not that big a deal. It's kind of a silly thing. Uh, the audience takes their cues from you, and they take that on as well, that they think it's a funny, silly, goofy thing that was just kind of a random thing. Yeah. I find personally as a speaker – those raw, real moments that are totally unscripted, that are totally outside the norm, that when those things happen, those are some of the best possible things for a speaker. Because it just shows, like, we all just experienced this one thing together. Nobody planned on this dog running into the room, but we were all in this together. It happened. It was entertaining. It was funny. Um, and so that can be extremely, extremely powerful for a speaker. So um, so it's always good just to recognize, like, all the different mm -hmm. factors that go into um, making a talk good or bad. And so maybe again, you, the talk was great, but all these other factors that were outside of your control were not great, you know? Uh, and so just being able to, to recognize and identify those. Mm. Uh, this is incredibly relevant for something I'm publishing tomorrow. I was just writing like an hour before we recorded here. Uh, Google search console sent out an email update to a bunch of people this past week. It was like, Hey, Congratulations, your website is now being indexed mobile first, etc. And some people freaked out, some people didn't care. And it like prompted this blog post that I'm releasing tomorrow, which is pretty much like change is what change is the only constant. Like the only thing you can absolutely count on is Google's algorithms updating and Pinterest algorithms updating and the way Facebook ads work and the way this webinar software works, like in the way your WordPress plugins work, like change is the only constant. It's inevitable. It will happen. Sure. You're a speaker on stage. Eventually, if you do more than like one gig, something will happen, power dogs, whatever. And I'm applying this like super broad, not just speaking and blogging and whatnot, but like it's our job to be adaptable. That's what we signed up for. That's the totally. blog post for tomorrow. Totally. Okay. So we don't have too much time. Let's get a little bit granular. Something you're really good at, Grant. I saw you, by the way, I've known your uh, like the speaker guy for probably two and a half, two and a half years or so, maybe two. I saw you on stage for the first time last year at FinCon. You were only on the keynote stage for like five minutes. It was like some little 
break in the action. It was like Grant Baldwin's going to come out here and like get the yeah. crowd warmed up. I had no idea what to expect, but I was like, oh, yeah. oh, okay, I know that. That's Grant. I know what he does. He's the speaker lab guy. You got up there, and you were getting people to move around. You were getting people to in- interact with each other. And I got to be honest with you, and I know a bunch of people listening to this are also introverts. I'm like the dude that never raises his hand when the speaker is like, raise your hand if you've ever sure. done this. And even if I've done it, I'm like the guy that just sits there. I'm like that loser. Totally. But what you did worked for me and like everybody else in the room. I was so impressed by that. I was like, dang, like you could tell this guy has just had a massive amount of experience. Like he's good at this. He's comfortable with it. You seem to be very good at keeping people engaged. And so I was wondering if you could, it could be however many tips you want to throw at us. Seven tips to keep your audience engaged from Grant Baldwin. What can new-ish speakers, let's say speakers who have just booked their first gig, maybe they're speaking at FinCon or Social Media Marketing World or something, up to like yeah. someone who's done less than like 10 to 15 gigs total. What tips do you have to like keep people engaged so you can reach them? Yeah, good question. So um, and as a caveat there, um, I'm also a very... I'm very introverted. And so there's a, a lot, in fact, most speakers that I know that, um, have been at it for a while, uh, and even speakers that are, are brand new and kind of up and coming, most speakers I know are fairly introverted, which, mm. which seems like the, the opposite of what m- most people would have assumed. Like, Oh, I see you on stage and, and you're, you know, entertaining or engaging or lively or, or charismatic or whatever. Therefore, I assume that offstage you're just this, this, you know, rage. Um, and it's really not the case with most speakers. Most speakers are very, most speakers are very introverted. And so I I say that one for people that may be listening going like, okay, I'm interested in speaking, but you know, I'm, I'm not this big motivational Tony Robbins extrovert, stand on stage, (laughs) jump around all that stuff. Right. You don't have to be, you know? Um, and so even for me on stage, like, yeah, there's things that I do that, um, I want to do specifically to, to engage an audience or to connect with an audience. But, um, offstage I'm, pretty boring um personally you know my my two cents my my wife would probably agree with you um but um as far as like how how a speaker can stay engaged with an audience i think one of the best things that speakers can do is tell stories and ideally share first person stories and so what i mean by that is that audiences and just humans in general we love stories we connect to stories we identify with stories and one of the interest I, I do this experiment from time to time when i'm speaking this is a fun experiment but um, before you tell the story, use the transitional line. Let me tell you a story. And what you'll notice is that the audience up and pays attention because they don't they don't know anything about the story. They don't. Is this going to be going to be sad? Is it going to be long? Is it going to be short? Is it going to be inspirational? Is it going to be depressing? Is it, I, I have no idea where where it's going to go. But people love stories, and we're drawn to stories. And we're compelled by stories. And so I think part of the value of using a first-person story is a story that actually happened to you, something that you that you can tell. Is it's much more relatable. Like there's nothing wrong with sharing a story of like, um, you know, let me tell you this case study about what uh, Google is doing um, in their customer right. service department. Like that's fine, but it's also something totally different to say. You know, let me tell you about this restaurant experience that I had, and I had this crazy customer service experience. You know, it's it's just a different. Um, you're going to tell it differently. You're going to live it. And the other thing too, is that people can identify with that. So for example, um, I tell, I use a variety of different stories in different talks. So I might tell a story about, um, taking my girls to Disney. I tell a story about my first car. I tell a story about a yearbook from high school. I tell a story about toilet papering someone's house one time as a, and as a teenager, I just, I tell these like human stories 
And so the, the, and so what happens is that the audience can relate to that because everyone's had a first car. Everyone's mm-hmm. had some experience with, you know, a mom or dad or, a, or a, a son or daughter. Everyone had some experience with um, being a teenager and doing something stupid. Like we all have these relatable experiences. And so um, so I like using stories. I think stories are really, really powerful, really, really effective. Mm-hmm. Um and in terms of like what I did at FinCon, it was, you know, for those that weren't there, just kind of like get everybody, but it can also go really, really poorly. Uh, and so that's something <laughs> like that particular thing that I'd done probably a hundred times with a hundred other audiences, um, of all different sizes, which means I'd had a lot of practice to be able to like work out some of the kinks and, and figure out like what works and what doesn't, what are the things I need to say or do to make sure that the audience is with me. Um, so getting an audience to move or getting an audience to engage can be effective, but one of the things that you need to consider is you you want to consider the level of trust that you have with an audience. Okay. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is is if they if I was doing a keynote speech and I was introduced and I get up there, even just a workshop with just a you know, let's say fifty people, and uh, I'm introduced and uh, you know, please welcome Grant. And I get up there. Hey everybody, um, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and just share your deepest, darkest secret. Well, like I have earned zero trust with the audience. They, I just walked on stage. So the getting them to do anything at that point is going to be very, very, very difficult. Now, mm. at that point, I could get them to raise their hand. How many of you have had this experience? How many of you agree with this? How many of you have seen this before? How many of you have done this before? How many of you have had, said this before? Okay, those things where I'm just getting them to agree or to nod or to raise I can get them to do that because, again, I'm just starting to build some trust. Now, at the end of a talk... I can probably get them to break down a little bit more walls depending on you know what it is that I'm wanting them to do. I can mm-hmm. I can ask them a little bit more or ask them to do something that's a little bit more vulnerable. Um, but it's hard to do that early on. And so um, so if you're going to do some type of activity, so to speak, um, uh, then you want to make sure it is in in relation that you've earned with this. Uh, so. Um, again, it could go from like raising a hand to, you know, tell your neighbor this, uh, or to clap or to stand or to move. Um, mm-hmm. and the other thing too, is it kind of depends on, on the environment, uh, meaning that if you're doing, let's say just a, a, a 45 minute workshop, you, you don't have to do a ton of things cause it's just not a huge window of time versus if you're doing, let's say like an eight hour seminar or training, you're like, that's a long time for everyone just to to sit and listen. Um, and I had a, a, a speaker friend tell me a long time ago that, um, the, 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 what did he say? Like the, something to the effect of like the mind can only stay, um, focused as long as the butt can endure basically. So like <laughs> as soon as people start getting restless, they're going to be more likely to just check out. So you have to keep people like moving or engaged if you're speaking for hours and hours and hours. But if you're just doing like, a, let's say a 30 or 45 minute thing, then it may be less, less necessary to do a bunch of those, you know, a bunch of those things. So, um, the other thing I would say is like, um, some of it depends on, on the context of, of what you're doing, meaning that, you know, what you're referring to Pete, that little five minute shtick that I did, um, that's what I was brought up to do. I was supposed to, you know, that's right. get everybody up and moving and get everybody uh, excited about the, you know, the next session or the next speaker. Um, and so that was the the point of it. Um, but uh, you know, in another context, that you know, that may not work as well. So mm. um, yeah, but I'd, I'd say like the the biggest simplest thing that speakers can do is to to use stories. Stories really make a big difference. Okay, uh, it's funny you mentioned that 
the point, the purpose of why you were brought on stage. And you probably wouldn't do that exact same thing if you were going into like an hour long talk on uh, uh, finding local speaking gigs or something like that. So sure, there's really only like two more little concepts that I've heard you speak about before that I, I want to explore. One would be quote unquote, so what? We're going to talk about what that means. And the other would be like yeah. the purpose of your talk. For example, next week I'll be giving yeah. a workshop on, uh, I think it's called a dead simple podcast production system for newbies or something like that. It's yep. definitely not the same yep. thing as your like five minute warm the crowd up. So let's, let's do the purpose first. I've heard you speak on this. Could you tell people why they need to have just like one objective one? Uh, I think you've even said destination for their talk. Yeah. So as a speaker, there are, uh, there's two questions that an audience is always asking themselves. So, so what, and now what, so what, and now what, so an audience is listening to you going, so what, like, why does this matter? Like, why mm-hmm. is this relevant to me? This, you know, like I'd be in, came to sit in your session. Why am I here? So what, why does this apply to me? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're asking themselves, so what the other question that they're asking themselves is now what, like, there's nothing worse than like, um, like listening to a talk and and leaving it and being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now, or I didn't do anything because I wasn't really clear what the next step is. And so maybe it is um, giving them some type of action item of here's your next you know two steps or here's an action item you need to take within the next 24 hours. Maybe it's something that you want them to um, experience or feel differently about. Um, maybe you're trying to like, you know, change their thought on something or change their, but you've thought you ha- had to produce a podcast this way. I want to show you the simpler way and here's how, here's what you need to do now. Mm. Um, and so maybe that that's the now what piece, but you want to, you want to give the audience some type of, here's how you apply this. Right. So one of the things I always, I, in fact, I use this almost in, in all my talks at the end, as I say, something to the effect of, um, listen, like if, if you, you know, if you had a good time, if you nod, you laugh, you agree, you, all that stuff, but you don't do anything different. Like we've kind of wasted our time here. So what do you like? What are you going to do differently as a result of what we've talked about? In mm. the same way that you know, like, what's the point in reading a book um, and spending hours and hours reading a book if you're not going to do something differently? And again, maybe change, like reframing. Maybe it is like a specific action item. But if, if like, there's no point in just filling your head with more knowledge. Just more knowledge. Like you need to do. Things. So call the some type of application and it's your job to like connect the dots of here's what those next steps are. So mm. make sure that the audience is always, so as you're developing a talk and working on a talk, always just thinking these things through of, so what, why does this matter? Why should the audience care about this? And now what, what mm. are they supposed to do as a result of this? So as you're working on your talk, as you're delivering your talk, like thinking through the lens of, from the audience perspective of, so what, and now what? Mm. Ah, I love it. Thank you, Grant. All right. One more question for you, buddy. I ask this to everybody who's come on my podcast. What, and you can take a second to think about it if you want to. What is one thing you wish other bloggers specifically would stop doing immediately? What is one thing other bloggers would stop doing? Okay, good question. So I I don't, uh, one, uh, like as as a, small caveat, like I don't do a ton of blogging and I don't mm. read a ton of blogs. And so, um, I would say, what about um, new speakers? Can we, can I alter it? I've never done this before. I asked this question on, cause I'm fascinated by people's responses, but I'm going to alter it in your case, Grant. What's one thing new public speakers should stop doing? Sorry for that. I should have just started uh, that. <laughs> that's fine. Let's, let's roll with that. That's works. Um, all right. So one of the things that new public speakers, um, don't, um, okay. So 
I think one of the best things that you can do is like really, really practice and prepare. Like don't just get up and wing it and don't just get up and just, you know, make it up and don't just write down a couple thoughts on a napkin and index card before like really take the time to practice and prepare. I think that's absolutely one of the simplest things that you can do that can be a differentiating thing. The other thing I would say is like, don't, don't try to be like every other speaker. So if you saw some speaker tell a story that worked really well, or they did some type of, you know, um, uh, activity or interaction or something or, something like that. Like you don't have to copy that. That's one of the things that unfortunately some speakers have, have done is the they'll see a speaker, they'll tell a story and so that story works. So I'm going to just use that story as my own. Like just don't, don't do that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, from like a, a plagiarism standpoint, but also just like a, uh, you part of what, what, um, part of what being a speaker is, is that makes it unique is that, um, every, every audience member is different. And so I know that there's going to be some audience members that, that connect with me and my story and resonate with me and some that don't. And that's totally fine. Cause I know that like there's other speakers that are, they are going to resonate with and that's great, you know? So don't feel like you have to just be a copycat of some other speaker or how they do things or how they talk. And I think that, you know, that can be applied not just to speaking, but to a blog as well. If, if you see like, man, all of a sudden this blog over there is just exploding in, in traffic and comments and mm-hmm. engagement. And so therefore I'm just, I'm going to take their, um, I'm going to use their same, uh, WordPress theme and all of a sudden that will help using their same WordPress theme. Isn't going to make any difference for you. Um, and so, and that's coming from a guy like who we offer a WordPress theme. Um, and so knowing that just like, if you're just copying and pasting what everybody else is doing, like that's not like that doesn't work. I think there's, uh, having said that, I think there's like huge, huge value. And I think this is one thing we do well is modeling what other people do and saying like, okay, that worked over there. How might that work in our situation? Okay. So and the, hmm. the, the skeleton of it may look the same, but there's going to be different parts of it that are going to be different, you know? So, um, for example, like we do a lot of webinars and so I watch a lot of webinars and I pay attention to a lot of webinars of what's working. Now I'm not going to go copy and paste. Like this is exactly what this person said. And so I'm going to write down the script and just do that. But I'm going to look at, okay, here's some, um, some, um, webinars that worked well. Why did they work? What, what was different about them versus ours? Um, and just trying to paying attention to uh, some of those things that are working and modeling those. I think that that can be very, very effective, but, mm. um, not just trying to be like just a, a carbon copy of, of other people and what other people are doing, whether that's a, a blog or a speaker or whatever it may be. Huge tip. So Grant, let's do the, let's do the now what people have been listening for like 40 minutes ish. I would hate for them to not do anything. What? Sorry, I was trying to be clever. Uh, what are like the next steps for them getting involved with you, the Speaker Lab? So you do a lot of webinars. Is that where you'd like people to, if they're interested in this at all, where should they go? Yeah, so if people want to check that out, they can go over to freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. So we offer a free training there on how to find and book speaking engagements. Um, it's a, a free training that we offer on a literally a daily basis. And so, uh, and Pete, you're involved with things on, on some of that stuff. And, um, so we have a, a lot of people that join those webinars. And, and if you, again, if you're looking for that step-by-step process on how to find and book gigs, then, uh, definitely check that out again. That's at a uh, free speaker free speaker Grant, buddy, thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I also look forward to seeing you next week at this conference that we've been talking so much about FinCon. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. You bet, man. I appreciate you. Let me hang out with you. It's fun. All right. What up, future speakers? I hope you enjoyed that episode. Let me hit you with two quick takeaways. I shall try to make them quick, alas, but you know me. Number one, change 
is inevitable. And not just change, but stuff going wrong is inevitable. This reminds me of Robert Rodriguez, um, wonderful filmmaker, by the way. I love his stuff. A little bit indie. Not indie, maybe, but I don't know. Robert Rodriguez, great filmmaker. He says he gets asked all the time from like new directors and people who want to be in movies and films and stuff like, yeah, I was just directing my first movie, but then ah, oh, the stuff went wrong and one of the actors quit and the lights wouldn't work this day and the set was screwed up and it rained and like all this other stuff. And he looks at these people and he says, that's your job as a director. That's what you signed up for. So you're thinking about speaking, getting on stage or thinking about your blog even. Changes will happen. Uh, bad stuff will inevitably occur. Okay, You have to not only be adaptable once that happens and be reactive and stuff like that, but you have to be proactive in your mindset at the very least Stuff, crap will happen. Stuff happens, so to speak, right? Grant was talking about being on stage and a dog walked in the room or the power went out and he had to adapt. He had to be flexible. He had to react, but he also has to learn over time that these sorts of things will happen. How is he going to handle them? How's he going to control, not control. How's he going to manipulate? No, I'm sorry. I was trying to be clever there. How's he going to control the room, the audience? How are they, how's he going to pull them back into what he has to say, what he's going to teach them? How can we do that in our blogs? How can we know that, yeah, Pinterest, Facebook ads, Google, that sort of, sort of stuff is going to hit algorithm changes. How can we prepare for that now? Okay, How can we build our blog and our content now so that we don't have to worry about that and stress over it, right? That's takeaway number one. Change will happen. Bad stuff will inevitably happen. That's what we signed up for as entrepreneurs, as bloggers, small business owners, whatever. That's what we signed up for. That's it. Takeaway number two, more in line with speakers, but also I'd argue for anybody who, do, who produces content in order to like reach people, now what, uh, or excuse me, so what, and now what? I don't know why I was omitting that one. So what? That's the first thing and a continuous thing that people think when they land on your blog post, when they hear you speaking on stage, when they listen to your podcast, so what? Why is this important? Is this applicable to my life? Is this applicable to my business, my blog, or is it? And so it's a really great idea, Grant says, I say, to reinforce that in your talks, in your uh, blog post introductions, maybe even in the headline itself. So what? That's what people are thinking. Tell them what? Tell them why your stuff is important. Tell them why your talk is important. Tell them why this concept that you want to teach them about is important. That is what is going to keep people engaged and keep reading your blog post, by the way. Intros, great place to do that. So what? And then now what? Okay, cool concept. I don't have a clear image in my head of what to do now. This is called, of course, you already know this, the call to action. But it can even be a little bit more subtle than that. You have to lead people to what they should remember after your talk is done, where they should go, uh, URL specifically. Now what? Okay, you just taught me something cool. You just told me a great story. Now what? Where should I go? What should I do? Who should I speak with? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what? And now what? So what? You got to tell them why. Now what? Tell them what's next. That's it. Mm, great episode with Grant. I love that dude. Okay, if you're still with me, tribe, do you even tribe? Thank you for listening all the way through. Thank you for checking out the takeaways. Your now what, after listening to this, is two things. One's going to be theoretical in nature and one is going to be actionable in nature actionable uh just go share this post if you love it seriously go do you even blog.com slash podcast slash speaker you can find grant's episode just retweet it just share it on facebook or repin it or something 
if you enjoyed it. If you didn't, by all means, don't do that. Don't take action on it. If you did, uh, all I ask is that you go do it. That's your now what. And the more theoretical thing I would like you to take action or not take action on to think on right now is those of you who are interested in speaking, getting on stage, exploring that, what is your next step? What can you take action on in the next, uh, let's just say week? What can you take action on in the next week? Think on that. Should you be contacting your local university maybe? See if you can get like a guest lecture. Should you be going to your church, maybe offering like a little free seminar on parenting, travel, finance, blocking? I don't know. Whatever you talk about, whatever your niche is, whatever your topic is, what's next? What's the next step? How can you gradually get into this process of getting at-bats, Grant said, getting repetitions in front of people, public speaking? What's next? Okay. I want you to think through that. If you are indeed interested in a speaking career of any sort, that's what you go do right now. Got it? Good. Okay. Thank you for listening. Go share this post if you love it. Happy FinCon week for all of you at FinCon in Orlando. Hopefully you can come find me. This will be a few days after this podcast releases, I think. Come find me. Say hello. I'm more than happy to hang out with you, buy you a beer, etc. Unless there's like 700 of you, in which case I will not be buying all of you beers. But alas, come find me. Say hey. I can't wait to meet you all. Have a great week. See you next time for the Do You Even Blog podcast. (laughs) 